right. Amen. I appreciate that song. Boy, that's a blessing. Katie did a nice job there. And uh, what a great message in that song, Seeking for Eternal Gain. Amen. And uh, does us good every once in a while just to be reminded that there's something more important than what's going on right now here in this life. Amen. And uh, the eternal, thank God for that. Let me say this to you uh, before we get into explaining things and, and preaching. Let me first of all say thank you for your love for us and your prayers for us and your support. Um, I can say honestly for all three of us, we love you. And uh, it's good to be home. And uh, when I say home, anywhere I go, home is Crossville, Tennessee. And uh, home church is Cornerstone Baptist Church. And I, you can ask my wife, I say that everywhere I go. And uh, thank God for our pastor and his wife. And, but I thank God for you all. And I appreciate your prayers and your faithful encouragement, your support. So many of you, when we've gone on a trip somewhere and we get back, hey, how you doing? How was your trip? How'd things go? And uh, that's huge. That, that is a huge blessing. And we sure appreciate each and every one of you. And so let me, before I get busy thinking about other things, let me do what is due and say thank you to each and every one of you and say we love you. We appreciate you. And um, glad to have you as our family and Cornerstone as our home and home church. Amen. And uh, so the, I'd like you to take your Bible, if you would. Now, this is not the text for the message. Um, so don't get worried or excited, whichever way you would go with that. And... <laughs> Psalm chapter 22, verse number 30. I want to give you the springboard verses for this ministry that God's called us into. While you're finding your place there in Psalm 22, verses 30 and 31, I'm just very, very briefly going to give you a little testimony on how we got into what we're doing. So uh, for those of, you, uh, those of you that know us well, you know that we were assistant pastoring, youth pastoring here for almost 16 years. Then God moved us to Florida. And then there was a, a good day when God moved us back out of Florida. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we love the folks there. It was a good church there. We had a lot of good people in the church and thankful for them. And uh, some of them still keep in contact with us as well. So we're thankful for that. Uh, God brought us back here. Uh, it's been six years ago now. It'll be six years, the first part of August. And um, put us into this ministry uh, uh, several months before that, God began to deal with my heart through a message that Brother Robbie Morrison preached about faith. He was on the radio preaching one day, and he preached, Now Faith Is. And I was sitting in my office there at the church in Florida, listening to that message, and God began to pound on my heart. And it began to impress upon my heart the need with All Points Baptist Missions. And All Points uh, has 40, how many do we have? 43 missionary families, church planting missionary families serving around the world. Uh, doesn't count the military chaplains families we uh, help endorse as well. There are 69 families total uh, working currently with All Points Baptist Mission. Uh, at that time, I knew that they needed help and God began to tug on my heartstrings on that day. And so we began to pray about it together, began to seek the Lord. At that moment, I did not know anything about the heirloom seed Project. You say, what are you involved in? That is the name of the project we're involved in. It's called the Heirloom Seed Project. I have actually had people ask me, so like, do you work with agriculture or you plant seeds? You help, you know, third world countries do, I guess third world's not politically correct anymore. 
Do you help less advantaged countries, um, you know, with their crops? And it's like, no, we don't do any of that. Um, sorry. But um, not that I'm against that. But what they need more than grain is they need the gospel. Amen. And uh, they need food for their soul. And so the Heirloom Seed Project was born out of a burden that God gave Brother Rob and Miss Carol at Morrison. And through this passage of Scripture in Psalm 22, verse 30, where the Bible says this, it says, A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. And I want you to notice that first phrase in Psalm 22, verse 30, where the Bible says, A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. Eight years ago now, Brother Robbie Morrison was preaching in a church in Ravenna, Ohio, and before he preached his message, he said, Church, I want to ask you to pray about something. He said, I've got a burden on my heart for missionary families and these military chaplains' families and pastors' families. He said, but not just for the family. He said, specifically for their teenagers and their young adults. Some surveys say that up to three out of four young people that grow up on the mission field when they move back to the United States, if the need arises that they have to, they either leave church altogether or they walk away from the Baptist background and heritage they were raised in. That was an astounding number. And I thought about that, and they get involved in all kinds of things, charismatic-style churches into that, all that kind of thing, and some of the movement that we see going on now. Uh, but I was sitting there listening to Brother Robbie speak about that, and God broke my heart. I literally sat there and, and cried as I listened to him talk about some of the heartaches and burdens that missionaries go through. But let me just relay to you. When you read the missionary's prayer letter and he says, pray for us, there's turmoil in the country. You and I have to remember that it's not just mom and dad that are there enduring that turmoil. It's also their kids that are there with them. And as much as we as parents try to shield our children from the problems that happen in the world, we cannot block everything. Amen. And our children, many times, they're more observant than we give them credit for. And they know when we as parents are hurting. They know when something's bothering us. Sometimes they know about the problems that uh, we don't think they know about. And those, those pressures of culture, those pressures of problems in a church, problems in a community, problems uh, in that place where they're at, not only weigh on mom and dad, but they weigh on the young people. So God broke my heart about that, and he began to put us into this ministry of the Heirloom Seed Project, specifically trying to help and encourage and counsel and work with the teenagers and the young adults of these missionary families and military chaplains' families that all points endorses. Through beginning to present this ministry in churches, pastors began to speak to us and said, will you help our kids? <laughs> and so it's expanded to not only being just all points young people, but to being the teens and young adults of pastors' families. We have an evangelist family that have had their kids involved for about four years now in things that we do. Uh, just all kinds of facets of ministry, young people that we're working with. And so God's been good, and you all have been a huge part of that. You all have supported us from day one, and I appreciate that. So what the Lord does through this ministry uh, is fruit that abounds
not only to our account, but to your account. And what a blessing that is. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about how things work. If I can finish just briefly the testimony I was sharing, I, I cried over what Brother Robbie said. I stopped the CD. That was two years before God called me into this, that he spoke about that. I picked up my phone and I called Brother Robbie. I said, hey, I said, I heard you talking about this thing about helping the teenagers and the young adults of missionary families and all the troubles and the, the struggles and pressures they go through. And I said, God just broke my heart about that. And he said, okay. And I said, uh, I can help with that. I want to help with that. I'm burdened to help with that. Surely, Melissa and I can do something to help you with that. So what can we do? And I didn't know what God was doing. And Brother Robbie, uh, sometimes I say he looked at me. It was on the phone. He didn't look at me. He spoke to me and he said, well, we've been praying that God will send us somebody that will just take this ministry and run with it. So congratulations, you're elected. <laughs> and so that's how we got involved six years ago. And what God's been doing. So it's a multifaceted thing. It's, it's a little unique. Most missionaries that come through, they say, hey, we're going to uh, Columbia. We're going to go evangelize this town. We're going to pass out tracts. We're going to pass out New Testaments. We're going to try to start a church. All right. So I, we're not going to a foreign field. You all know that. We live right here. And uh, unless the Lord does something different in my life, Lord willing, we will still live here. So we're not going to plant a church somewhere. We are like phase two of that. And you say, well, what's the importance of what you do? We are active support for those missionaries that are currently serving on the field. Uh, if you want an, an idea of what All Points is about, what Brother Robbie and Miss Carol are all about, they are active support for those things. And we're active support for these young people and their families. So we do a variety of things with them. We do two Zoom meetings a month every year. How many of y'all love technology? If you're under age 30, you need to raise your hand. <laughs> so technology has a lot, of, a lot of problems attached to it, correct? I mean, we can look at it and say, man, there's all kinds of garbage available on the Internet and TV, and you know, most of it is not worth even turning on. However, there are some good things to technology. So twice a month we do Zoom meetings with these missionary young people. It's been a wonderful thing. I, I love this aspect of the ministry because we can be fellowshipping and talking with people in northern Canada, in Panama, in Ireland, Malaysia, all at the same time. You say, is that an exaggeration? No, that's a reality that happens pretty often. And uh, it really is a good, good thing. And we get an opportunity once a month to bring them a message from the Word of God. We have some prayer and some fellowship time together. We share testimonies. We find out what's going on. We find out what the weather is like in Greenland. Amen. We have a missionary family we work with that uh, literally lives in Greenland. And uh, they do ministry up there. And it's a phenomenal thing. And we were talking about how cold it was in February, you know, and in January. And we had that cold snap here where it went from like 42 to zero overnight. Y'all remember that in December this past year? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we're typical Americans. You know, I'm complaining about how cold it is on my Zoom meeting. And I look over on the screen and there's these two kids from Greenland. I'm like, I probably need to quit complaining about that. I said, what's the current temp in Greenland? They said, mm, last time we checked... They gave it to us in Celsius. And I was like, okay, so we, we pulled our phone out. I converted it. It was like minus 40 Fahrenheit. I was like, you know what? Everything in Crossville is just fine. It's just fine. Life is good. 
and uh, no problem. And that's fairly normal for them, it's just things they deal with. But we have those opportunities. One Saturday a month, we talk to the high school age group, another Saturday to the young adults. We help them deal with these things. There's a lot of problems they deal with, not just with culture. Um, identity can become a huge thing for these young people. You say, why identity? Uh, it's not necessarily the identity crisis that we are facing here in the United States. You know, with uh, the public sector right now and the, the gender confusion and gender identity stuff, that's not typically the issue with missionary and ministry kids. The identity issue from them comes from being uh, what's classified as a third culture kid. They say, what's a third culture kid? Anybody familiar with that term? One, two, three, counting my wife and Kiara. All right, so four of us in the room. It's very unique. I, I was not familiar with it either until six years ago. So what that is essentially is you have a missionary family. They're Americans. God calls them to a foreign field. They have a child that's five years old. So they leave the United States and they move from here to Cambodia. They begin a ministry. They stay there until that child's 18. At 18, the government looks at that child and that family as they say, uh, your visa no longer applies to your child because they're now legally an adult according to Cambodian law. Now, I can't definitively say that's Cambodian law. It's just for illustration tonight, okay? And for Facebook purposes, in case anyone from there is watching. Now, but let's say, for example, that is true. It is actually true in some places. We know a young man that was in Africa, and that happened to him. The government came to his family and said he has to leave. So they come back to the United States as a missionary kid in the U.S., but they don't know our culture, right? Everything here is unfamiliar, right? They don't just walk down the road and go to Taco Bell. Amen? It's probably better for their health anyway. All right, but they don't have that. They don't have any frame of reference that you and I have. We talked to one young man, the young man that had to leave Africa because the government said so. He came back here. He said, I have grandparents that live in Cleveland, Ohio, but he said, I don't really know them. I said, no kidding. He said, I can count on one hand how many times I've actually seen them in my lifetime. And we asked him this question. I said, where's your home church at? He said, Kenya. I said, no kidding. Now, for us, I say Crossville, you know, Cornerstone Baptist. And, and it's, but for him, that's where he grew up. That's where he lived. That's his culture. He thinks like a Kenyan more than he does an American, although if you met him, he is a white kid with blonde hair. So you and I would pass him on the street, and we'd think there's just another average American kid. When he's in Kenya, he'll always be identified as the American son. And so that creates for them what is called this third culture category. They're not really American by thought or by culture or by action, even though their parents are American. They'll never be Kenyan or Cambodian. Amen? So the identity problem then comes in with, where do I fit? Where do I belong? What is my life all about? And for so many of these young people, we had another missionary young man, he told us, he said, if you're a Baptist missionary's kid growing up on a foreign field, he said, the only thing you know is missions. He said, God didn't call me into missions, God called me to be a police officer. He said, I didn't have a clue what to do, how to apply for a scholarship, where to go, 
those things. He said, I had to figure all that out. It was a challenge for him. I was very thankful he opened up his heart and talked to us about that. Those are just some of the needs. And so identity for them is very, very real. And we encourage them through our ministry to find their worth and their identity in the Lord Jesus Christ and His calling on their life. Amen. But can I say this to you? Not every missionary's kid is going to become a second generation missionary. Right? Just like not every pastor's son is going to become the next pastor of the church. Or every pastor's daughter is going to become the next pastor's wife and the next piano player. Amen. And though sometimes we don't say it, sometimes we sort of think about it in the back of my mind. Every once in a while we may expect it a little bit. And sometimes these young people deal with those pressures that come with identity or uh, ministry pressures or hurts they've dealt with, isolation on the mission field, all those things. So this ministry is about helping them with all of those things to be able to have the victory through the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And encouraging them in all those things. And so we do that through those Zoom meetings. We do um, what Pastor mentioned briefly, and it's, we sh- show it on the video out there. Uh, I, I would encourage you, the video is six minutes long. If you can take six minutes after the service, just go through and watch the video. Uh, and give you some testimonials from some young people that have been involved in this ministry would also give you a glimpse of the facility that God has graciously opened up for us to use in the retreats that we do. We, we start out doing one retreat a year. We've expanded it to two, one for the high school age group, another one for the young adult age group, ages 19 to 25, single young adults in that category. The high school group, we, we kept the heirloom seed name with them. But we weren't ever able to fully assimilate the college age group, and so we felt like we should give them their own identity. So we prayed about it, and God gave us 1 Peter 2.9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we titled the young adult group the royal seed group. A royal priesthood, amen. That's who we are, identified in Christ, children of God. And every one of us that are born again Christian, we are part of that royal seed, amen. We are children of God, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God we have that position because of Christ and all that he's done for us. And so we do a retreat specifically for that age group. We just did it in May, had a great time. God did some wonderful, wonderful things. Kids getting victory over discouragement and bitterness and all kinds of of issues. And then we do another one in September for the high school age group, the Heirloom Seed Summit. It's a week-long retreat, and we deal with these things specifically under the Lord's direction. Depression, bitterness, isolation, your walk with God, your identity in Christ, all those things. And we hit them one at a time specifically targeted to try to help them deal with the specific issues that they deal with as missionary and ministry youth. And God's done some wonderful, wonderful things. Give you just a couple of testimonies from young people that were at the last retreat we did. There was a young lady, first time we'd ever met her. She is a pastor's daughter. She came to the meeting And at the end of the meeting, she sent my wife a text message and she said, I just want to thank you for everything and thank Brother Ryan and Brother Robbie for this week too. 
She said, I felt like that you actually saw me for who I was. And that, that broke my heart again, burned my heart. Thrilled me, but broke my heart. She said, so many times you run into people that say, we're praying for you. And she said, you know, they're not really praying for you. Right? It's just the good Christian thing to say. She said, but I knew y'all been praying for me. She said, because you walked right up to me and you shook my hand and you called me my name and you began to talk to me right there, look me right in the eye. And she said, it was just a blessing for that. And she said, if I can help another young person get to the next retreat, I'm going to try to help them. It's just a blessing what God's done. We had two missionary kids. Uh, their parents contacted Brother Robbie and Miss Carol and said, we did not know how much our kids were missing until after they got back from that retreat. So God's just done an amazing thing in their lives. And uh, they're growing. God's helped them. I'm very thankful for that. And just we can repeat those stories on and on. You'll see a girl out on the, the video. She gives testimony about how the Lord helped her through it, different things. And so we're thankful for that. To put on these retreats, we only charge the missionary family about 40% of what it costs. So I appreciate Pastor putting it out to you as a church to have an opportunity to help us with that. We want to make it as affordable for that missionary family as possible. Um, and they've got to incur other expenses, travel and such. Um, and so God's been good. We've had several churches that have given to offset the costs of doing re these retreats and doing this ministry to these young people. And so I just want to thank you ahead of time for your care and concern and your involvement in that as well. God really is using it to make a difference. And then, you all know, we're not always here. Every once in a while I get offered visitors cards when we come back. And uh, thank you, Brother Norman, for that. I appreciate that. And <laughs> it's just a joke. It's just funny. But uh, we are gone a lot. Sometimes when we're gone, it's opportunities to actually go visit some of these families before they go to the mission field, just try to encourage them to go visit some of our chaplains' families at their duty station and encourage them and the work they're doing to reach military people. Um, sometimes uh, the Lord's given me two opportunities to uh, leave the United States so far and, and to go to other places and do that. Uh, November 21, we went to Vieques and did that. And so uh, as a family, had an opportunity to do that as well. And just a lot of, a lot of different things involved in this ministry. And... I'm thankful tonight, I'm thankful to Pastor Mike for the opportunity to share my heart with you and to explain the ministry of what we do. I, um, I want you all to, to be aware and, and um, knowledgeable about what God's called us to do. And I appreciate your prayers. I know you do pray for us. And as so many of you all tell us that, and I'm thankful for that. And um, hopefully through uh, knowing a little more about it, um, you know, the Lord will continue to use it and work through it and work through your prayers in these things. So let me again say thank you for your prayers and encouragement. If you have questions for us, Melissa's really better at answering them than I am. I, I considered, she loves it when I say that, y'all pray for me, amen, because I made that comment and now I'm going to have to stay somewhere else tonight. So if you've got a spare bedroom at your house, come see me after the service. <laughs>
Just kidding. I did, I did consider and pray about having her come up and give a testimony tonight because she is a big part of the ministry. Very thankful for that. Kiara's logged a lot of miles with us before God took her to college. And uh, she's thankful for that dorm room at college. It means no more backseat rides to the next church. Amen. And uh, she, she's very thankful for that. But appreciate your prayers for her as well. She's looking toward her second year of school. But if you have questions, please come see us afterwards. If you get a chance to watch the video, we'd encourage you about that as well. And uh, just be glad to talk to you more. All right. Now let's get to the text for the message tonight. Hebrews chapter number 11, please. Hebrews chapter number 11. When you find your text there in verse number one, if you would, if you're able, please stand with me out of respect to the reading of the text of the Lord's Word tonight. I'll also give you an opportunity just to stand for a minute before we get into the rest of the message. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. The Bible says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then you can be seated after that. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings tonight already. You're working in our lives, your presence. Lord, we felt your presence already in the service. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us never take it for granted. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to share the Word of God with your people in this place. Lord, I ask and pray that you would help the pastor as he's preaching in the upper end of the building and as John's interpreting, we pray you would speak to hearts, that your will be done there and that your work would go forward there and we thank you for that. Pray to encourage those folks. If with someone they are lost, I pray they'll be saved. Lord, we pray the same things for in here tonight or in another classroom, that your will be done and if there are lost people, they'll be saved and help us each respond to you. Lord, I ask, please, you would forgive my sin. Help me just to be a vessel of honor, meet for your use. Pray the Holy Spirit would lead and guide what I say. I ask for clarity of thought and speech. But I pray that your power would be on your word and would thank you for it. When invitation time comes, if we need to do something, help us respond to you and we thank you for this. Lord, we love you and we ask it all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5, at the end of the verse, it's talking about Enoch, the seventh from Adam, and it says, For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That he pleased God. What a great testimony. What a great compliment given to him by God. We remember this is given by inspiration, right? So God is telling, I believe, the Apostle Paul what to write, and he said, write this down. Enoch had a testimony, and he pleased me. 
And boys, I, I read that, and I read that yesterday. I was gripped by that phrase, that he pleased God. It just kept rolling around in my mind, that he pleased God. I thought, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. And God began to do with my heart about this text, and I prayed a lot about it again this afternoon, and just felt like this is where the Lord wanted us today. And asking ourselves this question, is God pleased? Is God pleased? Really, for the Christian, that is one of the greatest questions we can ask ourselves about our lives, because it comes all the way back to our testimony for Him, right? I've said often that God could do anything in this world He wants to do. He is the omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful God. And if God wanted to take the stars and realign them and write, Jesus saves and put the Roman's robe beneath that title, He could do it in an instant, just like that. He could speak it and it would come together right where He wants it to be. He has all that power and more. He can do whatever He wants to do. But God has chosen to make you and I the vessels of His ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen? So it's not about you or me or about our talent or our ability or me saying, Boy, Lord, I have this talent. I can do this for you. God is not looking for that. God's just looking for me to say, Lord, here I am. I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. Amen? But God's chosen to use us in His work and His ministry. And for every child of God, our testimony is of the greatest value. The greatest value. Because if you and I lose our testimony, what do we have left to share with the lost world? Amen? And so Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. That he pleased God. Man, what a challenge. Is God pleased with my actions? How I carry myself? So said, well, I've done pretty good today. I always found Sunday was an easier day to do good. You know? I mean, you kind of got a four-hour window that's blocked out that sort of keeps you out of trouble if you'll be in church, right? If you're having trouble, come to church, eat service. That'll, that'll eliminate some time to get in trouble for you, and that'll just help you. Smile at me now. We lost you in the first five minutes. All right. So, but, you know, sometimes Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday are not the easiest days to... Always do the right thing. Amen? I mean, somebody honked at you from behind when you weren't doing anything wrong and then passed you, and then they were yelling things at you at the window that nobody ought to ever say to anybody, right? And uh, you're going, you know, and all of a sudden you, you want to tell them what you think about them as well. Amen? And uh, then all of a sudden it's, it's not as easy as it was on Sunday where everybody's going, hey, God bless you, brother, good to see you, God bless you, sister, glad you're here, you know, and they're not saying that to you when you left the stoplight. But is God pleased with my actions? Is He pleased with my attitudes? Amen. Sometimes we can put on the outward action and the inward attitude is no good at all. And you know what God sees? He, he doesn't just see what I'm doing on the outside. He sees what's going on on the inside. Amen. Man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. God sees everything that's going on on the inside. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
he pays real close attention to what's going on in my heart and my attitudes. Amen. Is God pleased with that? Am I, do, am I thinking, am I acting in a way that's pleasing to God? I, you all have heard, and I have too, Pastor Mike say several, several times from this pulpit, uh, a quote of another preacher that said, every evil action is preceded by a series of evil and wicked thinking. Well, it's great truth. It's what truth, what proceeds out of the heart is what comes out in action in our lives. Amen. So is God pleased with my attitude? Is He pleased with my actions? Is He pleased with my appearance? How I look? Because it comes back to testimony, right? When I leave my house, am I dressed? Am I looking? Am I acting in a way that is becoming of the Lord Jesus Christ that honors God? Is He pleased with that? Or can He see a difference between me and the world? Amen. Is he pleased how I interact with people? All this reflects on our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Reflects on our testimony for him. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. So how do we have a life that's pleasing to God? Let me give you four things quickly tonight. I think Pastor Mike said I had until 9.30, so I'm in good shape. Say, he did, but we didn't. Amen. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. Number one, how do we have a life that's pleasing to God? Number one, it must be a life of faith. It must be a life of faith. Hebrews 11.1 said this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You say, explain faith to me. I can't explain it, but I can live it. Amen. You say, how do you know there's a heaven? Because the Bible tells me so. Now, creation tells me there's a God. And the Bible tells me that God resides in heaven. Amen? But if you want me to take you to it and show it to you, I can't do that. Nobody else can either. But the substance is this. The substance is that I believe exactly what God said in that book. And God said, heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool, and this is where I abide. And Jesus said to his disciples right before his crucifixion, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, it's in my Father's house. Amen. In my Father's house are many mansions. And he said, if it were not so, boy, I love that. He didn't just say it was so. He said, if it were not so, if it were anything different than that, I would tell you. But it's not different than that. It's actually true. God does reside in a real place called heaven. There is a real God the Father. There is a real God the Son in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a real God the Holy Spirit. And there are real mansions in heaven that Jesus has gone to prepare. Amen. And the substance of my faith is this, that God said it, and I know I can trust God, and I anchor my life in that truth of what God's given me. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is taking God at His word. Look at verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder of those that diligently Seek Him. But I can't physically show you God. So look, here He is. 
He's in heaven, right? Now, He's omnipresent. He's here too. But you can't physically see Him with the physical eye. But we know He's there. It's our substance. And so, it's that life of faith that's pleasing to God. And He said, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is taking God at his word. Someone once said this, Faith is the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. Simply put, it is this, it is, God said it, that settles it. Amen? God said it, that settles it. And living by faith, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible said this, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in them, or in him, excuse me. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. God said the just, those of us that have been saved, shall live by faith. Those of us that want to be pleasing to God, he said, look, without faith it's impossible to please me. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You say, Brother Ryan, I really want to have a life that's pleasing to God. Then let me encourage you, walk by faith. By faith. Take what God says in his word and say, hey, that's for me. And then live it. Amen. We had an opportunity to hear Melissa's dad preach on Friday night, and he preached this message to a group of people, and he said, be the Christian God wants you to be. When it came out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. And he said, just be what God wants you to be. What a great truth. Live by faith. Take God at His word. Trust what He said is right. Don't question it. Don't doubt it. Just do it. Amen? Secondarily, if we want a life that is pleasing to God, not only do we have to live a life of faith and walk by faith and not by sight, not by our flesh. But it's a life of fellowship with God. It's a life of fellowship with God. I want you to look at a few examples we have here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 4. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. These men, Abel, simply took God at his word when God said, Hey, if you want to make things right with me, you must bring a blood sacrifice. Abel said, Okay. If that's what God said, that's what I'm going to do. And I believe that he brought a lamb from his flock and he brought it to God and he sacrificed it there on that altar and he made a sacrifice to God. And God looked down at that and God smelled that and God said, I'm pleased with that sacrifice. And Abel did it by faith. Amen. That's what God said to do. It's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust and believe that God's going to honor what he said. Cain didn't. Cain said, I want to bring God a proof of my good works. I want to bring God a proof of my labor, a proof of my effort before Him. And so Cain tilled the ground. And he worked and he planted and he brought forth the fruit of the ground. 
And he brought it to God, and God said, I don't accept that. That's not what I told you to do. And Cain said, well, yeah, God, but this is my work. This is my effort. And God said, I'm not about your effort. I'm about you trusting what I told you to do. And Cain got mad. And God said, Cain, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? It's pretty simple, isn't it? (laughs) And still as human beings, we struggle. And he said, if you won't do well, sin lies at the door. Well, it's a pretty serious, pretty serious thing. But Abel had a fellowship with God by sacrifice and by faith. Enoch fellowshiped in a steady walk with God. We read about it in, in uh, verse number 5. Enoch walked with God. If you can look at, at Genesis chapter 5 tonight, I, I love what it says about Enoch. Mark your place here in Hebrews chapter 11. Genesis chapter number 5. Genesis chapter number 5, verse number 21, the Bible says this, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Every time I read that passage of Scripture, I'm challenged and I'm amazed. 300 years, day by day, Enoch walked with God. You say, why are you challenged? Because I think I'm I'm not going to live to 300 on this earth. Amen. Amen. I thank God in heaven we'll get there one day. But I'm not going to do that here. But Enoch did. So for 300 years, day by day, he fellowshiped with God. He walked with God. And the Bible says that he had a life and a testimony that was pleasing to God. You say, how do you have that? You have a fervent fellowship with God. Hey, when you walk with God day by day, God helps lead you and guide you, and God corrects things when the flesh gets in the way, and when sin gets in the way, God says, Hey, paying attention? That's no good. Get rid of it. Oh, yes, sir, Lord, sorry. Good. Now let's keep walking. Amen? Stay out of that. That's going to get you in trouble. Yes, sir. All right, let's keep walking. Amen? And God leads and guides us as we fellowship with Him, and we walk with Him day by day. And Enoch, for 300 years, did that. Hey, if he could do it for 300, I just have a goal for my life. I think I can do it for 70 or however how, how many more I got left. I probably don't have 70 left. I've been saying it for about 20 years now, so I, I, you know, maybe I'll make it to 90-ish. I don't want to tell you how many years that makes left, because then that'll tell you how many years I am gone already. But maybe for another 40 years, I could walk with God. Maybe for another 45 years, if the Lord extends my life that long. Maybe for you young people, maybe you could set a goal at 70 years. How about we just make it this? God, however many days you give me. Just lay all the years aside and how long we think we might live. God, however many days you give me, every day you give me, when I get up, I'm going to determine to walk with you. Have a fellowship with God. I want to be like Enoch. I want to be like Abel. I want to be like Moses that forsook the riches of Egypt for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
It wasn't just the testimony of Israel. You go back and read it in Hebrews 11. We won't go there for the moment. If you go back and read it, he said, He chose the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Wow. Moses did it. Enoch did it. Abel did it. Abraham did it. Sarah did it. You and I can do it. We can do it. Amen? We've got the Holy Spirit of God to lead us and guide us and guide us into all truth. We've got the Word of God that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Hey, we have no reason not to. Amen? God's given us every tool. Can I say this? It's not only a life of fellowship. That fellowship, it's founded in prayer. You and I cannot neglect our prayer time and have a close fellowship with God. It will not happen. It's founded in prayer. It's fueled by the Scripture. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And it's fostered and promoted by the Holy Spirit. I just want to encourage you again, let the Holy Spirit lead and guide your life. Number three tonight, it's a life of following God. Those two things really go together. If you have a faith in what God said in His Word is true, and if He said it, I'm just going to try to apply it to my life. Amen? And then you say, I'm going to have a fellowship with God. The following will just be a natural byproduct of that. Amen? It'll just be a natural byproduct of that. But can I say this? Those things happen on purpose. You're not going to accidentally follow God. Are you with me? Did y'all go to sleep on me yet? I've not lost my place, but let me run that through again. Fellowshipping with God, living a life of faith, following God. Those things happen on purpose. They happen by conscious decision. They happen by commitments that we made to God as the Holy Spirit speaks and works in our heart and the conviction that comes from the truth of the Word of God. And we then when, when the Holy Spirit brings that conviction through the Word of God to our heart, then we have to make a choice. Am I going to, to do what the Holy Spirit said do and what the Word of God said do? Or am I going to keep living my own way? Walking with God, having a testimony that pleases God, it's not an accident. It's not just because, well, some people have better circumstances than others. Amen? It's because every one of us made a conscious choice to say yes to God when He speaks. It's a following of God. Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible talks about Abraham. Verse number 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out, he had a choice to make. Amen? When he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, what's the next word? Obeyed. Pretty simple. Can I, can I encourage you tonight, and we'll get to the end here. Faith and living by faith and obedience to God are inseparable. You cannot have one without the other. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. He just followed God. God said, Abraham, go. Okay. Lord, where are we going to settle? I'll tell you when you get there. Amen. Most of us would have, we would have uh, signed off right there. Amen. 
Oh, I'm done. You're not telling me where I'm going? I'm not going. That's not what God asked us to do. Amen? I'm convinced of this. If God told us everything that was going to happen between now and the end of our lives, we'd probably panic and hide in a corner somewhere. Amen? <laughs> so the truth of the matter is, God doesn't always tell you, number one, uh, because He just wants you to learn to trust Him. Amen? Number two, didn't want to scare you to death. Finally, this, it's a life that's focused on the eternal. Look back at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 13. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. Can I ask us this question? Are we persuaded of the promises of God? And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. So you want to have a life that's pleasing to God. Number one, walk by faith. Number two, have a fervent fellowship with God. Number three, just follow God. Just follow Him. Just trust Him. Number four tonight, keep your focus on the eternal. Notice what it said there. It said if these had, had paid attention to what was going on in this world, they might have had opportunity to have returned. If their focus had been on the temporal, on the earthly, and not on the heavenly, they would have gotten off track. But God said they didn't have their focus on the earthly. He said they had their focus on the heavenly. Wherefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God. Hey, I love the fact that the Bible speaks. It speaks about it with Job. It speaks about it with these saints here in Hebrews 11. I think it can be true for each and every one of us that God looks out of heaven and says, you're doing a great job and I'm proud of you. To the Christians that are walking with Him. Amen. And aren't you glad that can be each and every one of us? It can be each and every one of you. It's not just for Pastor Mike or Brother Ted or Brother Jared or Brother John or their wives. It's for every child of God. He said, I just want you to keep your focus on the eternal. Colossians chapter 3 said this, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall appear in glory. Say, Brother Ryan, I sure do want to have a life that's pleasing to God. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9 said this. It said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Run on purpose with a goal to be pleasing to God and to accomplish all He wants you to. And when you and I get to heaven, for Him to look at us from His judgment seat and the Lord Jesus Christ say, Well done. Well done. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I appreciate your attentiveness tonight.